This is the Environmental Integrity Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Pelton. Brent Walls has dedicated his life to stopping water pollution in Western Maryland. He has worked for the last 11 years as the Upper Potomac Riverkeeper, an advocate with a nonprofit organization, the Potomac Riverkeeper Network. Now 48, his life turned in this direction because of a moment of clarity he experienced when he was 21 years old. He recalled that he was serving in the U.S. Navy aboard the aircraft carrier, the USS Constellation. During his first cruise in the Pacific Ocean, he witnessed a routine procedure. Twice a day, once in the morning, once in the evening, uh, the boat will slow down and a bell will ring and everyone on that ship will gather their trash and take it to the back of the boat and throw it over. And, you know, I, I, I did this several times and one time in particular, it was a sunset, nothing but open ocean. You see the, the glow of the sun in the background and, you know, the boat slowed down and you see this just miles and miles of floating huge huge paper garbage bags that we've just unloaded into the ocean and that just kind of made me sick it really did he knew there had to be a better way and so walls transformed himself into not only a clean water warrior but also a high-tech sleuth who works every day to document pollution with digital photos and video and report it to the authorities his tools include water quality monitoring kits gauges to measure acidity and heat, his kayak, which he uses to patrol the Upper Potomac, and this James Bond-like gadget he pulls out of a storage compartment on the back of his motorcycle. Up we go. This is a drone, like a flying robot the size of a football, with four helicopter rotors and a video camera eye. Walls is using it to fly over the site of a now-closed paper mill in Luke, Maryland. The plant operated on the banks of the Upper Potomac for more than a century before the Verso Corporation shut it down last June. So the drone has been an insanely great tool to be able to fly. Right now I'm, I'm talking to you and the drone is up there hovering at my beck and command whenever I need it. Um, I can take photos, I can take video. Uh, it's such high quality that I can blow up those images to get really good uh, information. Last year he heard a tip from a fishing guide that a goopy black toxic waste product called black liquor, a byproduct of the papermaking process, had been seeping into the Potomac near the site of the paper mill. Walls investigated with his cameras and equipment, discovered that the black liquid had been leaking from the area around a mill storage tank and worked with the Environmental Integrity Project to sue the company for violating hazardous waste management laws. His legal action inspired the Maryland Attorney General's Office to file a federal lawsuit against the company on behalf of the Maryland Department of the Environment demanding an end to the pollution. Attorney General Brian Frosch praised Brent Wall's detective work as having a big impact on helping to clean up the Potomac River. It's been hugely helpful. I mean, first of all, the Potomac River keepers identified the issue and they subsequently documented it 
and have continued to do that, and it's been extraordinarily helpful. Frosch said the water pollution from the paper mill has been harming the river for years. The impacts have been huge and have continued downstream as this caustic material, toxic material, floats down the river and, uh, and poisons organisms as it goes and permanently, perhaps, pollutes areas of the Potomac River. On July 16, Walls took a second legal action with the help of the Environmental Integrity Project. He sent a letter of intent to sue a nearby coal storage facility that served the paper mill. The D&L Coal Company of Kaiser, West Virginia, was allowing coal waste contaminants to run off with stormwater into the upper Potomac River. The letter inspired the company to take some actions to clean up the site. But it is not yet clear whether the company's actions actually stopped the pollution. Waltz showed me the DNL coal site and the nearby river. What we're seeing here are several piles of coal that are probably uh, anywhere from five feet to eight feet high. Um, probably a 10 or 15 piles and you have a lot of runoff the river's right there he led me down the road over some rocks and into the river as we trudged through the shallows we could see in the distance the towering smokestack of the paper mill he pointed into the shallows all along the bank you can look in the shallows of the river along the rocks this grayish component and it's it's, it stands out from everything else around you. It looks like ash, um, but you know, it's, it's algae that's dead. It's algae that has all the chloroplast out of it. It's no longer green anymore. Walls's sleuthing has also caught the attention of Maryland's environmental secretary, Ben Grumbles. We're looking into this. Uh, just today, I, I was talking with the Secretary of the West Virginia Department of Environmental Protection about the DNL site, and we're going to be gathering more facts on that. And uh, we, obviously, we have concerns about any type of pollutant that is in uh, source water that, that could be used for drinking water, whether it's the town of Luke or uh, any other community that depends on the health of the Potomac River. Natalia Cabrera is an attorney at the Environmental Integrity Project who represents Brent Walls and the Upper Potomac River Keepers. The company's water pollution control permit, which is issued by the state of West Virginia, requires the company to accurately monitor and report wastewater flow from the site. This includes providing the West Virginia Department of Environmental Protection with sampling results showing what pollutants the wastewater contains. DNL Coal has not done this. Instead, the company claims that stormwater control ditches on the site are sufficient to collect all the wastewater when it rains, and that the coal-laden wastewater does not reach the river. This is simply not true. The Upper Potomac Riverkeeper has collected photographic evidence showing that pollutants from the site are in fact contaminating the river. The notice and the lawsuit have a specific goal. By bringing these legal actions, we hope to hold these companies accountable for their pollution in the North Branch Potomac River. This is important for the ecology of the river and for protecting the public health of everyone downstream who fishes and drinks water from the Potomac. Cleaning up the contamination is also critical for the future and survival of the struggling mill town of Luke, Maryland.
across the river from the D&L coal site, beside the paper mill in a wooded Appalachian valley. The town of Luke has about 60 residents. Many live in brick row houses on a hillside facing the mill's towering smokestack. Once a major source of air pollution, as well as paychecks and livelihoods, the mill's smokestack and brick buildings are now inactive and silent. 675 workers at the paper mill, some living across the river in West Virginia, others across Western Maryland, lost their jobs in June of 2019 when the Ohio-based Verso Corporation shut the factory down. After more than 130 years of operation, the paper mill died in part because of competition from the internet. The Luke mill made glossy paper that was used in catalogs and magazines, and many of their customers switched to advertising and publishing online. Gary Wilteson has lived in Luke for all of his 63 years. He said he knows who to blame for the closure of the paper mill. Computers, online, Amazon, Google. <laughs> if you don't, nobody look, who looks at magazines anymore? Who makes magazines anymore? Everybody goes online. Terry Boyce worked at the paper mill for 42 years and his home's front windows face the now darkened factory. I don't see no future in Luke. You know, it's, it's gonna be like, uh, I'd say a ghost town with few people living in it. Yeah. I mean, the town, they lost a lot of their monies through their taxes. They went from a lot to hardly any now. Yeah. We used to be the richest little town in Western Maryland, but now we're not. Yeah. It was not the first time that the town of Luke, which had a population of more than a thousand people in 1930, had been hit by wrenching technological change. More than a century ago, a company called the Maryland Automobile Manufacturing Company produced a line of wood-burning steam-powered automobiles called Maryland Steamers in a factory in Luke. Then the rise of gasoline-powered cars put that plant out of business. Dale Matthews is another former paper mill worker in Luke. He said his community is like many other smaller American cities and towns that are struggling with growing vacancies and unemployment. People in towns like Luke across the U.S. are trying to figure out how to cope with technology that keeps replacing human labor. We're not the only paper mill that's closed over the years. There was a lot of mills closed due to the technology advances. I mean. I'm sure there's other businesses that face the same thing, not just the paper industry. One potentially promising future for the town of Luke could be fishing, hunting, and tourism, given the richness of the wildlife in western Maryland. Because of the decline of coal in neighboring West Virginia, the upper Potomac River is growing continually healthier, with less acidic mine drainage and more fish able to live. Here's Terry Boyce again, the former mill worker. He said he has been encouraged by the growing amounts of life he's seen in the local waterways. They're stalking trout in Tomic River now. Where they didn't before, it was always sulfur water. And they cleaned it up and now there's, there's trout in behind the mill there, swimming in the Tomic River. This is why the work of Brent Walls and the Upper Potomac Riverkeeper is so important. Because he's working hard to get the remaining toxic pollutants out of the river 
so the people of Western Maryland have a brighter future and a better quality of life for their children. This is a, a difficult time for this town, but if the town really starts to think they have a beautiful location, a beautiful river, it's getting cleaner and cleaner by the day. The economic tourism uh, for the North Branch in this area was estimated by downstream strategy about four or five years ago to be about two million dollars a year that could easily be increased um, by having bed and breakfasts and small shops and little restaurants in this exact little area and for the mill property itself you could conceivably take the structure and create some kind of a, a small technical university where you teach and train people how to weld or do pipe fitting or you know other various different hands-on experiences well light has been done in other west virginia towns where the industry has died down so i think there is a huge opportunity here ed clemens the mayor of luke agrees that there is reason for hope in the old river town the people that live here are, are uh, very fortunate to live in a safe area um, it's very nice it's relatively low cost you know that's a big factor and uh, if you move away from here, you're not going to have a house that's as large or as nice or in a good a neighborhood as you have. So really, you know, it's, it's a great neighborhood to live in. And I don't, people haven't left, and I don't think they'll do that. In the wake of the mill's closure, Wall said he has seen some environmental improvements. The difference now is that there's two big differences. There's no smell. Normally, you would have this really rancid odor coming from the pulping process that just emanated down the valley. It flowed down the river. It was extremely noxious during the day. The second thing you're missing is the umpteen zillion truckloads of either coal or paper or trees or whatever. Trucks would be going. Every other, every other vehicle was a truck carrying a load. And then there was the water pollution. So downstream from the mill, um, the mill sends its waste to uh, the UPR, Upper Potomac River Commission Wastewater Treatment Plant that's in Western Port, Maryland. And that facility handles, uh, not well, 90% of that effluent is coming from the mill, or was, and then the other 10% coming from the town itself. Um, it has a five port discharge that spreads across the North Branch. And out of each one of those ports uh, just is a rushing brown turrid of, it looks like brown nastiness. But in all reality, it's a lot of tannins, sediments, um, and yes, some other pollutants. And it's thermal. It's extremely hot. It's coming out at almost 100 degrees. Um, and so, yeah, and that's been a huge eyesore and a huge impediment to the stream environment downstream. I asked him if those piped discharges have now stopped. Yeah, it has. Uh, it's quite amazing. I've been down there to the discharge point and you don't see the brown anymore whatsoever. Uh, there's hardly a flow coming out of the discharge ports just because it's not, you know, the capacity of the facility has gone way down without the miller operating. Uh, and it is an extreme difference. It'll be interesting to see what downstream impacts improvements there will be uh, from the lack of this kind of discharge and I'm pretty sure DNR, Maryland DNR will be looking at that.
overall, during the last decade and more, Wall said he's seen a real improvement in the water quality in the Potomac. The North Branch is probably one of the best bring back to life stories that I have known because of the old mining that's been up here and the acid mine drainage that has occurred. Uh, and with efforts from Maryland DNR and Maryland uh, MDE, and even West Virginia agencies have put in lime dosers at all these major acid mine drainage discharges. Plus Jennings Randolph Dam Lake has acted as a capacitor for acidity. And now you have this thriving cold water river system, the North Branch, that you have trout species that are naturally born now. It's not 100% stocked all the time. And that's just an incredible story. Witnessing the return of life to the river inspires Walls to keep up his work. But he says it has been hard the last three years in particular. The Trump administration has been aggressively rolling back clean water regulations and trying to dismantle EPA oversight in a way that undercuts the work of local activists like him. It's been a really tough stretch, uh, not just in regulation, I mean, it is making our job more difficult. We have to find more concrete evidence before we can go forward with some kind of a, a lawsuit or an action. And it makes it harder to develop your advocacy actions because you really have to persuade decision makers to make better decisions. And when you have all these rules and regulations that are being changed from the federal level, uh, it makes it extremely difficult. And so advocacy-wise, um, it's been a lot more difficult. And at the same time, we're, uh, we have seen an increase of people wanting to help protect the river. Uh, increase in volunteers, an increase in donations, an increase uh, in just more community support for programs like ours. He uses those volunteers to build his army. He keeps mastering more technology and collecting more intelligence to combat pollution. His discipline was sharpened by his years in the U.S. Navy. His determination by his love of the beauty of the natural world and disgust at how people have trashed it. Brent Walls may be no longer in the military, but his personal war for clean water marches on. This has been the Environmental Integrity Podcast, and I'm Tom Pelton. For more information, visit our website at www.environmentalintegrity.org.